When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you look for it, every day has cause for celebration. Celebrate a friend for their promotion baby wedding life thing. Celebrate yourself for keeping the couch warm. It's no easy feat, especially if it's a big couch. Or maybe you just want to celebrate living in 2023 where you can get beer, wine, and spirits delivered from Drizzly in under 60 minutes without leaving said couch. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com and get your favorite drinks delivered today. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's off-track betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 125 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. And before we get to this week's guest, Sharon Denadell from Within Temptation, I want to remind you about all of the features of MistressCarrie.com. Not only can you find all of the episodes of the Mistress Carrie podcast and every situation report, but you'll also find all 205 of the episodes of Cocktails in the War Room. That is my video show that you can watch every Tuesday night at 830 Eastern live on my Facebook page. You can also check out my blog and photo gallery. There's a pretty in-depth concert and event calendar on there. If you click the contact the studio button, you can send me a direct message right here to the studio. And you can shop in the online official Mistress Carrie store. Check out all that and more at MistressCarrie.com. My guest this week, Sharon Denadell, has been out on the road on the Legacy of the Beast tour, opening up for Iron Maiden with her band Within Temptation. Sharon's career has spanned over two decades, and Within Temptation have released seven studio albums, and they're one of the world's most successful heavy bands. Hailing from the Netherlands, the band is finishing up in North America with Maiden and then heading to Europe on a co-headlining tour with Evanescence to finish up the year. Back in July, Within Temptation released their latest single, Don't Pray For Me, and they released the video as well. Sharon and I sat down before the band took the stage to open up for Maiden at the DCU Center in Worcester. And if you were at the show, Sharon definitely had a hard time pronouncing the name of the town. I should have given her some help in this episode. We talked about her upbringing and her inspiration, her family and her early influences. We talked about the delicious cheese that comes from her hometown, what her and the band like to do when they're touring around the United States. We talked about Halloween and so much more. And I just might take her up on her offer to be my tour guide if I ever head to the Netherlands. Sharon has an amazing voice. And if you haven't seen the band live, you are missing out. 
It was so cool to get to know her, and I cannot wait to see the band again. Their European tour kicks off November 9th in Munich and wraps up December 14th in Madrid. All of the tickets for all of the dates are on sale right now. So allow me to introduce you to Sharon Denadell from Within Temptation. Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stan. And you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Food Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mrs. Carrie, is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to. You have the privilege of listening to Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Sharon. Hello. How are you? <laughs> Welcome to Massachusetts. Um, well, thank you so much for having me. It's great. <laughs> I'm going to see you in just a couple hours. Open up for Iron Maiden. I am so excited for the show tonight. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. It's uh, it's uh, going to be fun again. It's been fun so far. It's uh, every time a different city, of course, different venue, but every time it's really a great pleasure to work with everyone here. And uh, it's been a, a, a great trip for us. Iron Maiden fans are a whole different breed of fan. You think so? <laughs> oh, 100%. Iron Maiden fans are psychotic. And I can say that because I'm one of them. You're one of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I get to call us all psychos. Where are well, you right now? What are you doing? Because it's super dark where you are. And this youth center, but it's like at the parking lot where our bus is. But we had some problems, like I said before. And oh, the lights are coming on. So something is working. Um, anyway, and um, I'm, here's where I do the interview today because we were a bit in a, in a didn't have much space. So uh, I thought, like, let's sit here and I have some peace and quiet instead of being with all the guys in one room today. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. You got the, the front lounge of the bus, it looks like. It's nice and quiet, the calm before the storm tonight. Yeah, exactly. Can well, you, you see it? Your bus looks nice. Yes, here I am. Hi. <laughs> Are you? Yeah, it's crazy. It's, uh... Yeah. Are you touring with the whole family, kids and all? No, 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 not at all. No, please, no. That would be too much for me. It's, uh, no, they have their lives in, in, in our own country, of course, and school and everything, so they're not uh, able to come with me, unfortunately. I was going to say, I, I would think balancing Iron Maiden and the tour and the band and everything would be enough. If you had three boys on the tour bus with you, I was going to call you crazy. <laughs> yeah that would be crazy but now they've, they've been to the show in barcelona and they really loved it 
they were uh, very excited and, uh, and impressed by our amazing shows, and they got three new fans with the, with that. <laughs> And at the end, they also got a T-shirt before they left from the, from Iron Man. So it was really like, uh, yeah, it was, was a really nice day for them and for me as well, having them on tour, of course. Iron Maiden's one of the bands that made it cool to wear the band shirt to the band show. Most of the time, that's yeah. not cool, but Maiden, it's cool. That, yeah, with Maiden, it is cool because they have the coolest shirts. I'm totally agreeing with that. So, yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about uh, your musical upbringing a little bit? I feel like um, I have had so many women on the show recently because there's just mm -hmm. this amazing kind of generation of women in rock happening right now, which yeah. is awesome. But Within Temptation has been around for a while. You've been doing this a while. So can you talk to me about, about growing up? Does music run in the family for you? Yes, very much because, um, you know, as I'm an expat kid, so my parents, uh, there was always, the windows were always open, you know, everything was, everything was like, there was always music on in the kitchen and also in the living room. My dad would also always play when he was home, uh, all his favorite music. And my parents went to a concert almost every two weeks. And uh, so they really brought us up with really good music, like going from uh, Black Sabbath to Queen to uh, Chris Rhea to or anything Bon Jovi. They were played on a daily basis and the Eagles, uh, you know, so I grew up with the, the best music that was around, I guess. And uh, them being such a music lovers, they didn't play any music, but it did get me interested in music. Uh, they bought me a recorder and a microphone when I was five years old and I was singing along to all my favorite songs uh, in that way. And um, for me, it was very normal to do something with music because when I got to high school, that's where I formed my first band, actually. There were some people, people in the music class, and they were like, yeah, I like music so much. And then, and then we started playing in the cafeteria, <laughs> which was not very usual. It was the first time that ever happened. And we started playing songs during the lunch breaks and stuff like that, and it was fun. And that's how we started, and then playing on school nights. And uh, after that, I joined like this uh, How to Be in the Band kind of uh, yeah, uh, it was a music school. Uh, it was a program. And it was the first time somebody uh, was thinking of how to get kids into music without um, them starting with a cowbell or whatever, and, you know, some flutes or something that has nothing to do for me with <laughs> music. <laughs> and it wasn't so cool. So, uh, and this was, the, you know, learning the songs by, okay, what kind of instrument would you like to play? I would like to play guitar. I would like to play keyboard. And then, then, choosing a song they would love that we would love from you two or uh, any band around and then teaching us how to do that and that's how it started for me just uh, yeah sucking up all the music around me and just experience it in so many different levels it goes to show you how differently two people's lives can, uh, or how different two people's lives can be. I got gifted one of those recorders and a microphone when I was a little kid too, but even back then I knew I couldn't <laughs> sing, so I just walked around and talked into it, and then look at what we both ended up doing. Yeah, 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 you're interfering. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like we knew what we wanted even back then. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think so too. It's like... It's it's something that's inside of you and you need to get out, you know, it's like express yourself in a certain way, I guess. And uh, for me, it was always singing. I was not a person that could talk easily 
although I'm a very open person, but my environment wasn't very open. So it was like, uh, for me, singing was a way out of dealing with emotions and stuff. So I think that was a natural way of doing things. And I got the opportunity because they gave that to me in a way. So, yeah. It's an interesting story, your upbringing, because you're from the Netherlands, but you kind of grew up, like you said, in expat where you were moving around all over the world. So you did kind of get exposed to music from all these different countries and yet yes, you ended up listening to Bon Jovi and the Eagles. <laughs> yeah, um, um, also that. Um, but, but yeah, um, you know, it, it's if you, if you listen to our music, we have some songs that have this Arabic kind of sound to it also. Like it wasn't B-side track, but it was called um, Blue Eyes. And um it's about the period also with living me me living there in in Yemen actually. So we, you know, I do think I I took all those ingredients into our own music. Maybe not maybe listening to um, uh, Arabic music, but more like um, did integrate the kind of sounds they made in their music into our own songs sometimes. And also the way I dance sometimes on stage, I use my hands a lot, which some people think is cool and some people think it's completely nerdy. But uh, anyway, I enjoy it because it's a way of expression, I guess. And I think I got that actually from being, living in Indonesia on the ballet, the, the Bali, you have these dancers and they use a lot of their hands with all these masks and everything on their faces. So I like theater as well. And I think that is all integrated in what I'm doing now. So I think all these ingredients just came up how I was formed and not just me, but I think everyone in the band, I guess. And like you, you said, like you're being an interviewer, you know, doing something with music, but in a different way. And yeah. I always say that rock bands are some of the most well-traveled people in the world because you guys are just constantly on the road all over the place. So yeah. where, where does the band go? I mean, I know with Maiden, the fans are crazy everywhere, but where were you surprised that the fans loved your band as much as they did? I think uh, Mexico, uh, yeah, uh, Southern America, America is is the next level of of uh, <laughs> extreme. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're waiting for you at the airport and stuff like that. It was really sweet and crazy at the same time. People getting behind us with with their cars, trying to. Uh, pass our bus while we're in the bus and then half hanging out of the car playing our music <laughs> falling off to our hotel it's crazy it's what you see with other bands you know but it's like we never experienced that before until we went in 2001 for the first time to south america and and that was really like the most hilarious and fun and heartwarming yeah experience we had south american metal fans Talk about rabbit. And I can always tell when I have a metal band on the show and people listen to the podcast from all over the world. But whenever mm -hmm. I have a metal band on, the listening in South America goes insane. Yeah, 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 I know. But we, it's really, I love their passion. I really do. Because sometimes I think in some countries we forget to express ourselves a little bit. Well, you know, people maybe also express themselves in different ways. Some people just listen and just take it in, you know, with closed eyes. But, I, I, you know, for as a band, for us, it is um, very nice to get some interaction as well because you give so much on stage, you try to, you know, get them involved and the interaction is very important. So some, I love when they, you know, close their eyes and be very on their own with their music experience. But I do 
it's for us more easy when they express themselves a bit easier, like the, you know, South Americans do. And those massive festivals that they have. Yeah. Tell me about it. (laughs) And I had heard about, you know, obviously you grow up a lover of hard rock and heavy metal here in the States. You also hear about those massive European festivals because especially Eastern Europeans love heavy metal as well. Yeah, they do. And they're very similar to South America, I think. Yeah, the intenseness of it. A few years ago, I had a chance to finally go. um, I went to Romania and I saw Judas Priest. And I finally, for the first time, got to experience those European crowds that people had always told me about. I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. I can imagine because that's also the East part is also very expressive. It's more like, yeah, um, uh, Europe itself. It's more like, you know, they see a lot of bands as well. I think it's also about, about like if they, if you see a lot of bands, I don't think everybody goes to Romania. I don't think everybody goes to Bulgaria or Poland. Uh, it's getting better. I think the bigger bands coming there as well, but they don't, I don't think they used to. And I, um, and they're so appreciative when you do come. And where are we in, like, the Netherlands or England or uh, Germany or France? You know, we're very used to seeing all these big bands because there's every week somebody playing and they're putting all an amazing show. So you get used to that, I guess, in a way a bit. And I think everyone in the East or in the South are getting less of that somehow or maybe don't always have the opportunity to go. And they're very, like, embracing every, every second of that show in a more expressive way. What was the first concert that you got to see? And where were you? Because you did so much traveling as a kid. Well, I was actually in the Netherlands. Uh, my first show was Bruce Springsteen. And I, oh, I'm so much in love with his music because it's so entwined, so much in, um, uh, connected to my memories of my youth. Um, so uh, the Tunnel Love Tour in the Kuip, which is in Rotterdam. And there was, I had my binoculars with me because I didn't have the best seats, but I was just looking for my binoculars like, oh my God, it's him. <laughs> and just singing along to every song <laughs> with my dad. He brought me there. And um, I did the same for my kid, my oldest son, actually, because he's really into music and he plays guitar and stuff. So I brought him to his first concert and it was of the Eagles because my dad, uh, gave him all his cassettes of the Eagles and he bought him a cassette recorder because it's just fun to have one. And he started playing those music, that, that music every night before going to sleep. So he knew all the songs. And then they came to uh, Amsterdam in the Zigado, huge, huge venue. But I got us uh, some really good tickets and I went there with my mom and my son because my dad passed away in the meantime. And it was really like this really magical moment for him. It's like, oh my God, I know every song. And then we singing along. He was so happy. <laughs> so I, I just wanted to bring that family tradition to my kids as well. So I want to bring them up with good music and, you know, really get them started with some bands that are, you know, that, that everybody loves and then eventually find their, their own way. And now cassettes are back and bands are actually yeah. starting to release albums on cassette. I mean, vinyl I get. I never in a million years thought cassettes would come back. No, the quality has never improved. I totally agree with you. But I must say I did the same thing for for the band, but also my own solo project. I also did a cassette because I felt like it's like a trip of memory lane. Uh, kind of thing it's it's fun it's something that it's a nice collectible it's nice to put somewhere you don't even have to listen to it but it's nice to look at (laughs) 
I have given this suggestion to a lot of bands. No one's taken me up on it yet. Maybe within Temptation will. That if you're going to release a cassette of new music, I think it should come with a commemorative pencil so that you can fix it when the cassette gets yeah. all jacked up. You know what I'm talking you about. Should, yeah, yeah, I totally know what I'm talking about. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah and no totally. one's done it yet. So you guys should steal the idea from oh, me oh, and you I, guys I'm, should I'm, do I'm it. I'm going to take that one. Yes, totally. I'm gonna do that. That's really brilliant, actually. <laughs> Um, when is, do you remember your first show in the States? Well, I know the first tour. I'm not sure if I'm mixing up maybe the first dates or something, but I know the first tour that we did was really, really cool. We were, uh, the support of Lacuna Coil with some other bands in this moment was playing there. Um, and some other really cool bands. Uh, so it was really like an amazing tour and, uh, yeah, it was really like, um, shocked also that quite some people actually knew our songs because it was the first time at the time um, I think it was 2007 maybe 2008 I'm not sure and uh, it was really an amazing tour it was really heartwarming as well yeah it's like they wow just, they even know us over here <laughs> they just did this cool thing this reworking of that album Comalize and they reworked all the songs and yeah I saw it the yeah I saw yeah it. Yeah, yeah, I see it. I've seen it. Yeah, it looks great. The new release is also looking very nice. Really cool. I love it when bands do kind of different and interesting things, like you guys working with a full symphony. Other bands have done it, but your music lends itself so well to working with a symphony. How did you guys put that together? Well, it's more like, you know, we've always used uh, the, the orchestra kind of thing, but never the real-time kind of deal on stage. And it's very expensive, of course, and not very practical. But we felt like, uh, because we had like a celebration kind of thing, like existing 15 years, we wanted to do it for that reason. And it was a huge success. And we took like also like street theater on stage, like people walking on stilts and with, with strange clothes on. It was really, really magical. And we did it twice. We did it once uh, called The Element Show and the other one's The Black Symphony. And both were actually recorded and also brought out on the, on the, on well, um, digital in a digital digital way. I think you can still get it if you want to, but it's really nice to see. It, our music is a bit epic in a way, I guess, and I think that's why it really lends for an orchestra orchestra as well. Well, the orchestras are expensive because you said earlier that yeah, you know you yeah. don't want to play the flute. You wanted to play yeah. guitar and keyboards, <laughs> so you got to yeah, play yeah. those flute players. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get them get them somewhere. You know, <laughs> I can't do it. So when you come to the States, you're out on the road with Iron Maiden, which, you know, as a as a metal band is kind of a dream come true. Um, yeah, most definitely. What are you trying to do when you're when you're on your days off or when you get time off? What have you guys what, what do you like to do that's not music related? Well, to be honest, we really wanted to have the full American experience. So we went to a donut shop, which was amazing. <laughs> won't uh, say any name because it, otherwise I'll be promoting it. And to a shooting range, which is something very unusual for me because I don't really like guns. But I did feel, want to feel like what it's like to be in a shooting range. And we got a really good uh, explanation how to be safe with it and you know those kind of things. And also, well, just uh, knowing... Uh, trying out experiencing uh, this kind of thing. And uh, I did like it, by the way, but it's more like something that I would do for a shooting range, but not anywhere else. I would never own a gun myself. But it's a, it's a, it's something for us very um, that we won't do so much in the Netherlands because we don't have that kind of thing. You need to go through a whole kind of check before you can do that in the Netherlands for even. 
So that was something we did. We went to the Niagara Falls. It was also a trip down memory lane for me. I went there with my parents and I could really picture the picture still, how beautiful it was there. And those kind of things I did with the band and crew. And um, so every night we're doing something special. We went to a special pizza place, which was highly recommended uh, yesterday. And so those kind of things, just simple things, but really nice things to experience as a European that you can't do in the Netherlands. And uh, so I know they're going to this, I don't know how you call that. Like it's not real wrestling, but it's fake wrestling with masks on and stuff like that. How is it called? Um, like the Mexican wrestling that, with the masks on? The luchadors? Yeah, it's, it's, it's with like they're, they're not really hurting each other. So there's a lot of acrobatics coming. Uh, <laughs> that's where we go, well, go, uh, go, uh, go, uh, the, uh, the biggest part of our group is going to watch a, mo- uh, an, uh, a, a game of that very soon. So we're doing those kind of things. It's just trying to get this American experience, the things that we can't do in Europe. <laughs> I love your idea of the American experience as donuts, guns, and wrestling. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and Niagara Falls. But that's Canada. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we get no, the falls no, on oh, our side too. Oh, I'm but... so sorry. That sounds terrible. No, oh, it's hilarious. Like <laughs> it's hilarious because I would ask you the same thing in reverse if I were going to come to the Netherlands. I know you yeah. guys are famous fans of uh, speed skating. Yeah, yeah. But are. but if I were going to come there, what would what would you take me to do that would be like the ultimate kind of Dutch experience? I think you need to eat our fish because we have like this pickled kind of fish, which is which I don't like actually, but uh, it is nice because it's most Dutch people do like it, and it's raw. It's raw fish. You have to eat it like this. You have to bring it like this, and well. Uh, if you ever come to the Netherlands, I will show you around. And there is like we have the most beautiful old windmills, and um, you have to wear the clocks, you know, the the wooden shoes. Of course, take pictures of that. Uh, we have a mu- really beautiful museums with beautiful Dutch art. Uh, what else? Um, there's so many things. <laughs> I I flew through Amsterdam recently because I I went to Abu Dhabi earlier this year. And I wanted to stuff my carry-on bag with all the smoked Gouda cheese and the Stroop waffles at the airport. Oh, really? I'm from that place, actually, from Gouda. I'm actually just close. Well, I'm from a a small village next to Gouda, but it's like, it's part of Gouda, to my opinion. (laughs) So I'm saying it wrong. It's not not Gouda, it's Gouda. Gouda, Gouda. Gouda? Am I saying that right? Yeah, Gouda. Yeah, it's meaning Golda. Translate in English is gold, golda. Because your cheese is delicious. <laughs> so coming from gold, because it was a, I don't know. It's, yeah, the cheese is really good. It's very famous. Totally true. And we have oh, where I would take you as well is to Gouda. You have it's in the winter time. There is this candle night. They take all off all electricity, and it's really this uh, medieval uh, city. And they put candles in the windows, and there's this huge, humongous, huge Christmas tree also with lights and it's just magical. It's really magical. And that's really with small, um, you know, like um, people standing outside with with wine, glue wine kind of things and all these nice typical Dutch food and stuff. You will like it. Um, <laughs> is there, do you celebrate Halloween the way we do here in the States? Cause it's coming up and it's my favorite season of the year. It, to be honest, it's getting really big in the Netherlands as well. We have like these, um, these parks like Six Flags and stuff like that. Um, and they are having Halloween week. 
we have it a whole week and you can get tickets for fright night and stuff like that and they're really scary i haven't been there but i want to buy because when i go back to the Netherlands, it's going to be uh, the first weekend and even though i'll probably be very jet lagged i'm going to take my kids there yeah <laughs> and i bought a lot of a lot of um halloween stuff here like inflatable so they can put in front of my door <laughs> we're going to have the best halloween ever so yeah it's getting bigger here so you can enjoy it as well here in the netherlands i uh i have a 12 foot skeleton in my front yard that i named fezzik yeah. Oh, really? Halloween oh is God. a big deal here, especially at my house. <laughs> oh, great. I love it. I bought like this um, Nightmare Before Christmas kind of skeleton. Uh, what is his name again? I'm, um, I'm really... Jack Skellington? I think so, yes. And, uh, he's in front of my house with, um, yeah, with some other ghosts. That I, I forgot all the names. I'm really bad at names anyway. But I've put, I bought that one like almost like my height. So it's quite big. And... Um, it's going to be lovely. I think the kids are going to be really enjoying that. They're going to be the only house in the street having that. So, <laughs> I ask all the bands when they're out on the road because you guys are on a bus. And so mm-hmm. you got to make fuel stops and stuff in the middle of the night. Yeah, and we do. When the tour bus pulls into a truck stop in the middle of nowhere in the United States and you go into a truck stop, what's the weirdest thing you bought in a truck stop? Whew, there's many stuff that's pretty weird over there. So. Um... Let me think. Um, you could. Oh my God, that's a good question. I think I'm. Not, it's not weird, but I no. You can buy anything there. It's a lot of weird stuff, you know. It's like even Halloween stuff you can buy there. So it's like it's a. Uh, <laughs> um, and it, there's like an unlimited supply of beef jerky. It's everywhere. Yeah, beef jerky exactly, and especially the very hot ones. The guys have been tasting those and been on fire for like an hour after that. So that was that was a, a strange experience and a fun experience for me actually. So um, yeah, that was nice. And uh, we bought also like this uh, very hot Carolina popcorn kind of stuff, which is really chilly, really really hot. And I made yeah, I made a small movie out of it because it was so hilarious because they didn't know that we were making it. I was like, hey, guys, would you like to have some popcorn? And they almost died. Is it, was it the Carolina <laughs> Reapers, those peppers? Yeah, the, yeah that, that one. Yeah, exactly. They were, they were dangerously because, uh, because they were dangerous because when we put them in the microwave, there was a lot of, you know, um, uh, I think um, uh, coming out, you know, coming out of the the microwave. It's we like getting pepper sprayed. For air. By, yeah, it's yeah. like getting pepper sprayed by the police. We couldn't breathe. We couldn't. We couldn't breathe. So we're like, oh, okay, get it out of the microwave. We're killing. It's killing us. And then we went upstairs. Like, hey guys, would you like to have some popcorn? <laughs> <laughs> how do you? How do you? I mean, if you're going to eat Carolina Reaper peppers. You've got to be careful because of your voice. How do you take care of your voice on the road? Well, I have, um, well, my tour manager, Carl, is like this yoga, uh, vocals ex- uh, expert, all kinds of things. He's an expert of all of a sudden. And he's also with, you know, with food. He's like an expert, like giving me every morning this smoothie with uh, collagen and, you know, protein. And uh, my God, he, and nuts and uh, all stuff that's really good for me. So we start with that in the morning and we get like this ginger shot after that, so to keep healthy. And then we do our exercise like one and a half hour before the show. He helps me with doing the breathing techniques and uh, to relax a little bit of yoga. 
and uh, drinking uh, cinnamon with, uh, with uh, ginger, those kind of things really help. And doing my vocal exercises that I, that I normally do is like a, you know, the ladders like, ah, and I'm going up and down. <laughs> Those tour buses used to be a bottle of Jack Daniels, cigarettes and drugs everywhere. And now it's I ginseng know, I know. and ginger. And... Nerds. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but, you know, if, if I want to stay healthy and the rest of the band as well, it's also like a massive attack to your body. And especially when we're getting a little bit older now as well, it's, it is necessary to take care of yourself. So we have to. And, um, I think it's a game changer for a lot of people, actually. I mean, every band that I speak nowadays is doing yoga or something. <laughs> With a new generation thinking like, okay, if you want to last for a longer period of time, you have to start doing this kind of uh, thing. Can I talk to you about songwriting? Because I know that you were like on the advisory board for the Eurovision Songwriting Contest. Yeah, they keep asking us from the Netherlands because... Well, the thing is, um, they know we are successful outside of the Netherlands and in the Netherlands as well, of course. But um, because we have such a big following, they wanted us to participate so we could finally win. <laughs> eventually, um, uh, Duncan Lawrence eventually participated and he won. And I think that was the best way to do it for them because he was unknown before he started and we already have a following. And you know, it's not my kind of cup of tea to do this. So I don't feel comfortable with participating. Although I do enjoy watching it. But um, you should watch The Fire Saga on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen that one. It's hilarious. It's very similar to how it really is, to be That's honest. That's the Will Ferrell so, movie, right? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so <laughs> I was going to ask you if that was an accurate portrayal or not. Yeah, it is. It is. It really is. And uh, so I don't, you know, I love watching it, but I don't want to participate. But I think for people who are just starting out, it's amazing. It's a really good way of starting getting out there and doing your music. If you, if they allow you to do your music, because that's a, you know, that's a bit of a thing. Uh, so, but they keep asking us in the past because we had a, we have a big following and they thought they could win because of that. And, but I said, no, I'm not going to be used for that kind of thing. You know, I, I do love to represent my country, but then for different reasons. <laughs> well, songwriting is so subjective mm -hmm. because, you know, one person could think it was amazing and brilliant and the other person could think yeah. that it totally sucked. So it's kind of yeah, hard, totally. you know, to, to have a competition about what song is better. I totally agree. And I think, um, I think, you know, that's also why the majority should, you know, in that case, when they vote, the majority of what likes a certain thing will win, of course. So it's, it is in a fair way of counting the votes, I think. So, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, but it's a still a strange kind of competition, to my opinion. I do always ask songwriters this question because songwriting is so subjective. Um, yeah. But because you have the ability to write songs, whereas I do not, I'm fascinated by the process. So can you give me an example of a song by any artist, any genre of music, that doesn't matter, but a song that you think is so well crafted from a songwriter's perspective that you wish you wrote it? A perfect song from a construction Ooh. standpoint, but then you got to tell me why. Oh my God. Uh, well, there's so many, you know, going from the Eagles to Aerosmith to any band out there. 
Well, yeah, you know, it's it, my favorite band is Nirvana. I would choose a song of them, but um, because you know, because um, what I find for me, what's very important in music writing, that it's honest in a way. Maybe sounds a bit, I don't know, uh, but um, for me, Nirvana was my first band that I really, really, really gave my complete heart to, and it was because it felt honest. It was without you know, without glamour. It was without. It, what you see is what you got. That's what the impression was when I was growing up anyway. And it felt so heartfelt, so intense and so sad and angry and misunderstood and everything as a kid growing up. I think that was all the ingredients I needed for really falling in love. I think it, it needs to appeal to your heart and to your emotions. And you need to find some kind of way of, you know, connecting to that. And, and for me, it was Nirvana, actually. And they will always be my number one band, although I've seen so many bands that I love as well. But they will always be my number one because I understood the emotion of the band, I guess, in a way, as a kid. And uh, felt like this is what it's, music should be about. It should be about real emotion, real experience, real pain, but also love and laughter. All that, you know, so real emotion is the most important for me in music. And I hear it in a lot of bands. But for me, that was the first band that really, really touched every, every box for me. Well, it was such a stark contrast from the party songs that came out in the 80s by all of those 80s yeah, metal totally. bands, which I love all of that stuff, too. Me, too. I like it as well. I like, you know, I like all of them. <laughs> but, Even the spandex bands, you know, it doesn't matter. It's hell like, yeah. It's, it's cool. Yeah, like I'm having fun on that, that with that as well. But it's more like they just were like, wow, it's like a, almost like. They just knocked me off my feet. Was it Smells Like Teen Spirit that you heard first, or did you hear stuff before yeah. that? No, it was it was uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit, the first one. Also, the video had this really magical vibe, like intenseness and like this, uh, like this adrenaline in the air, something that you couldn't touch, but you could feel it even on screen. <laughs> I don't know. I know. And I know a lot of people already know it's a band that everybody knows. It's maybe not the most... Um, surprising band to mention but it was for me the most important band in my life when I was growing up. Nirvana killed a lot of bands. A lot of bands <laughs> slipped by the wayside and went away from the 80s because of that yeah. but the cream always rose to the top and Iron Maiden has never gone anywhere. No 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 that's true and that's what I also appreciate about Iron Maiden you know every night when we are playing uh Steve Harris is actually standing on our stage watching our show behind our, uh, you know, our, our, our gear, actually. And you see his face coming like this. And we're <laughs> like, oh, what are they doing now? <laughs> what are they saying? What are they doing? And he's enjoying himself. And, and every night when we come off stage, he's at the side of the, you know, of the ramp, giving high fives and stuff. He's really nice. And the rest of the band as well and the crew. So, but it's really fun to see someone still like a 16-year-old enjoying every show. We play almost every night the same kind of songs, more or less, because we only have 45 minutes. We want to give the best we have. And he's still every night there. And that's so, I think that's really, I think that's what music is about. They never changed. They never fell out of love with music, which I think when you're on the road that much, 
can easily happen to a lot of bands and does happen to a lot of bands, I guess. No pressure for your bass player with Steve Harris standing there <laughs> looming at yeah, him. He does feel the pressure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good one. <laughs> I'll ask him if he does feel the pressure, though. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see the show tonight. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day. I know you got to get ready no for problem. the show, so I really appreciate you sitting down with me. I can't wait to see you guys later tonight, and thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm going to start my yoga now and uh, my vocal stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon, Sharon. Thank you so much. Okay. See you afterwards. Okay. Right, thank you. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. There she is, Sharon Denadell from Within Temptation. Check out the show notes of this episode to find all of the links to find Within Temptation online and to find Sharon Denadell online as well. You'll also find all the Mistress Carrie links and the link to this episode's corresponding playlist. For every full-length episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast, I put together a playlist featuring all of my guest music and all of the songs and artists that we referenced in the interview. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe to the Mistress Carrie podcast. And share the episode with all your friends and family that love Within Temptation. New full-length episodes of the Mistress Carrie podcast come out every Wednesday, Plus, you get the sit rep. The Situation Report is all of your rock news, music headlines, and industry info, and you get it in five minutes every weekday. And you never know when we're going to release a bonus episode. Join me every Tuesday night at 8.30 Eastern, live on my Facebook page for my video show, Cocktails in the War Room. And you can always find me on the air on the Mistress Carrie radio show. Get the details on that and more at MistressCarrie.com. The Mistress Carrie Podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. At Progressive, we know there's nothing like the feeling of riding a motorcycle with your crew on the open road. That symphony of engines roaring in perfect harmony. It's a feeling that would be impossible to recreate on the radio. Until now. Hit it, Jerry. Oh, my word. Really, really terrible. Is that a glockenspiel, Jerry? Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Uh, Now, Jerry, it's over. At the Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches, as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com slash workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett. 
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 